Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I didn't think I'd be anywhere for 16 years. Been at this church, but I still feel like it's new and alive every time I come in. I've never been bummed out to come to church. I've always been excited. And uh, so it's just great to be here. So I want to talk to you about some things today that I've learned over the last 16 years, but specifically kind of right when I started coming to Awaken Church and uh, what completely changed my whole world. But I want to start back in, um, uh, I went to UCLA, a lot of you know, to play baseball. And when I went there, I was kind of like an underdog because I'd already had three knee surgeries. And so I, I went there kind of as like a, a recruited walk-on, they call it. And um, uh, I was part of like a, a very high recruiting class, so a very top-level recruiting class um, that year that went to UCLA. But I ended up making the travel team, which was a big deal. None of the recruits made the, t- made the travel team, but I did. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, because I always had this, like, I need to prove something. I need to, you know, because I, I kind of worked through a lot of injuries. Anyways, my first year, I played a little bit. Second year, I started. Third year, I started. And I hit about, like, 300 with, like, a few home runs each year. So it wasn't, like, anything crazy my first, you know, three years at, at UCLA. But after my junior year, I hit, like, 303, and I had, like, three home runs. That year, I went to Alaska to play in the summer league. And when I was in college, um, Alaska was a very high, highly competitive summer league. It was like Alaska and Cape Cod were kind of the two really competitive summer leagues. And so I got to go to Alaska, praise God. And I got to, you know, travel around and go on glaciers. It was pretty cool. I ate at the northernmost Denny's. Some of you are jealous. I saw Eskimos. Most of them had very few teeth. I don't know why. It was just like, they, they're like, just lived there. They just kind of lived on their own, like out in the in the boondocks. I didn't even know Eskimos was a real thing. But um, so I got to play in Alaska. That year, I met somebody that summer. It was an older gentleman, one of our coaches. His name was Jack. And he just tweaked a couple of things in the way I stood, my stance, and my swing. Just a couple of little tweaks and that, that I implemented pretty much right away when I got there. And so the summer league was about two months long. And in that summer, I hit over 400 and I hit four home runs. So just in two months, I hit more home runs than I did an entire season at UCLA just in a, in a summer. And the competition was comparable because it was a high-level uh, summer league. And so something had shifted and I just learned a couple of things and, and I, my, my skill level accelerated greatly. And then when I got back um, at, to UCLA in that off season, we got a new strength coach and they started focusing on legs. And I wasn't a big leg guy before that, still not. But, but, so, so, uh, but we started focusing on legs. So I gained literally 10 pounds in just a few months after I got back from Alaska before the season started in the spring. And all I did was work out a little bit harder, focus on legs, and sprinkle a little creatine in the mix. Creatine is a legal substance. No, legal. Yeah, legal substance. <laughs> My wife's just making sure I'm clear. Legal substance. 
So I gained 10 pounds, made a few tweaks in my swing, and then I went out, and instead of just like my junior hit 303 with three home runs, I hit 355 with 28 home runs. So I went from like zero to hero very, very quickly and was an All-American at, at UCLA. So what happened was, as I was playing, um, people were freaking out. They're like, what happened to you? Like, what, what, what did you do? And to the point where we're playing USC at USC and they're in the, yeah, boo, thank you. And, and, uh, and these guys are in the dugout and they're yelling at me, Heinroids, 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 because they thought I was on steroids. And then we go to Cal Berkeley and the announcers at Cal Berkeley are, are literally announcing and accusing me of taking steroids that year. What they didn't realize is that my dad listens to the, to the um, announcer, so he went up to the booth and told him to stop it because I wasn't taking any steroids. Thank you, Dad. And then I had to get my blood tested because the different professional scouts started talking. They started wondering if I was, so my coach said, hey, it would be a good idea if you're not on steroids, if you go ahead and take a blood test. So I did, and I proved to everybody that it was all natural, with a little bit of creatine. And so what I found was if I just implemented a few tweaks, change my perspective, and work a little bit harder to understand things, that my acceleration went through the roof very, very quickly. And I also believe that God put a little bit of supernatural on that year. Uh, I really believe that, but, but he put a little bit of super. But what I found, the same thing that happened at UCLA is the same thing that happened when I came to Awaken. When I came to Awaken, I just learned a few little things, a few little tweaks, and my Christianity went through the roof. All of a sudden, I gained a bunch of kingdom weight, and things started to shift in my Christianity. And all it was was me learning a couple of things and then doing things in the natural and letting God put his super on my natural. So the, the message this morning is called All Natural with a little bit of super in the middle all supernatural. I found that if we just implement a few things here on earth, God will implement a few things there in heaven, and he'll put his super on your natural, and you're going to find that at this church, you can accelerate very, very, very quickly. I'm not a believer that you got to be a Christian for 40 years before you can operate in some power or change some things or shift some things in your life. God is a right now God. He can do it now. Read the, read the book of Mark. He's the God of immediately. He's a God of immediately. Things can change even now. And so I want to talk about a few things. The first thing that I learned when I got to Awaken Church was how to praise. The importance of praise and worship. Before I got here, I used to kind of dread getting to church early to hear the, to hear the praise and worship. Now, I'm not a good singer, as most of you know, and so I don't know if it was that or, or what it was, but I just wanted to hear the word of God. I just wanted to hear the word. I didn't care about the singing. Like, that's just like a placeholder until we get to the word. And so I would, I would come in late on purpose just so I'd miss the, the praise and worship. Or if I was there on time and listened to it, I wasn't really listening to it, and then I would judge it. That's not good. Like, they can't sing, or that music's lame, or I don't like that song. And then, you know, when I got here, I realized that actually they weren't praising me. They're actually praising God 
So who cares what I think about it? I should have been praising God. But so when I started to come to, to Awaken, I, I, we were like dabbling at different services. I, I, we weren't officially here yet, but we were coming to a d- different services. And I'd walk into the, to the services and people would be lifting their hands. They'd be passionate. Some people would be crying. Like they were really impacted by praise and worship. And it just felt different. And I'm not sure if you guys know this, but our, our worship team actually prays to know what songs they're going to bring to you on a Sunday because they want you to encounter God. It's not just a performance up here. They've actually labored in prayer to bring you heaven. And so I'm not sure if that happened at other churches. I think it was just my attitude, but our, our praise and worship is good here. But it was the people, and the people were passionate about God, and they were passionate about praise. And so next thing you know, I'm in the services, and I'd, you know, I'd never lift my hands before. Next thing you know, I'm like this felt pretty good. And then, you know, two hands, you know. And then, you know, one hand. And then I'm I'm thinking I'm cool. It's like, this is awesome. Like, I can feel God in here. And so I come to a couple of services. And then I remember going back because I wasn't quite here yet. I was still going to the other church. Went to the other church on on an Easter Sunday. There's 10,000 people in this service. And I remember walking in there, and not one person is lifting their hands. And all of a sudden, I got all prideful. And I was like. And as I'm doing this, I'm judging everybody. You guys don't love God. You don't know how to praise. This is weak. You know, like, it was like the first time I'd ever done it. But it felt so good, you know. Felt so good. And so I started, I started like lifting my hands. And some of you can relate to me. Some of you are like still in the pocket. You know, some of you got the handouts. Some of you are this. Some of you are pointers. Some of you are victory. My wife's Mufasa, you know. I got a, I got a screen so you can kind of identify where you're at. village people rocky come on come on where are you the best is like the dueling light bulbs i don't even know what that is but so now you can look around next service and be like okay mufasa we got you rocky okay turn that off But I was like judging everybody, but pretty soon, all of a sudden, when he started coming here, I learned how important praise was. I learned that it was my perspective on praise and worship that was holding me back from encountering God. John 4, 23 says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. So there's no, no wonder why when I'm lifting my hands and when I'm truly worshiping and praising God that I can feel him because he's seeking those people. He's seeking to encounter people who want to worship him. He's not going to push his way into your life during praise if you're not wanting to praise him. But if you're into it, if you're seeking him in praise and worship, he's seeking you. Psalm 22.3 says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, or the praises of his people. God inhabits our praises. That word actually means to dwell, to sit down, to settle, or even to marry. 
So when we praise God, God is settling down. He's sitting down. He's dwelling in our worship and in our praise. He's coming together like as if you're married. The Bible says that when we receive Christ, our spirit becomes one like a man and a woman when they get married. So when you praise, it's like you become one with the Holy Spirit. You become one with God. He inhabits the praises of his people. You'll find yourself, if you can just make that little tweak of praise in your mind, in your perspective, and not judge the people singing, but praise the God that you're supposed to be worshiping, you'll find his presence comes into your life. And it's in his presence he begins to speak to you. It's in his presence that you begin to see his plans for your life. Praise and worship is now probably my favorite part of the service because I've shifted my perspective and now I would never intentionally miss praise and worship. I love it so much. Matthew 26, 30. Jesus has just got done doing uh, communion with his disciples, the last supper. They had the bread and the wine. And um, right before he's going to go to the Mount of Olives to get captured, to be crucified for your sins and for my sins. The last thing he does after the Lord's Supper is this, the Bible says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So he just did the Lord's Supper, and then they sang a hymn, and then he went to the Mount of Olives. There must be something powerful about singing praise, because Jesus did it right before he gave his life for you and I. He needed the presence of God. He needed to encounter God. He needed to strengthen himself in God. So they sang a hymn, and then they went to the Mount of Olives where he was captured, and then shortly after there was, was crucified. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. That's talking about how to live in wisdom. If you read the scriptures above it, it's talking about wisdom, singing corporately to each other and then making melody in your heart, which I think God likes that more when I do that than when I actually sing. <laughs> but your praise can connect you to heaven. But it's not just for your connecting to heaven. Praise can also shake the earth. If you read in Paul and Silas, when they were bound in the, in the prisons and in chains, they started to praise. And the Bible says there was an earthquake on earth, and I believe there was an earthquake or a heaven quake in heaven, because heaven invaded that jail cell and loosed their chains and not only set them free, but the people around them. So your praise can set you free from things. Your praise can interrupt heaven, and heaven can come into your life. Your praise can set ambushes on your enemies. Did you know that? Jehoshaphat, the king in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles, the Bible says that a prophet spoke to him and said, don't send soldiers, send praisers. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, the king of praise. Judah means praise. So, so Jehoshaphat sings out music, or sends out musicians and singers when they go to battle, and the Bible says that as soon as they got to battle, they started singing. And as soon as they started singing, the enemies were confused and started killing each other. Some, some, uh, some uh, Bibles say that, they set, that God set ambushes on Jehoshaphat and on Israel's behalf. And so when they praised, they started being confused and fighting each other. I don't know about you, but when I get in a good praise session, it feels like the problems in my life seem to dissolve. They seem to take care of themselves somehow. When you can get into praise, when you can get into his presence, you'll find that the issues that you're facing aren't quite as big as you thought they were. Because your praise will get you into the courts of heaven. Your praise will get you into his courts. And the closer you get to him, the bigger he gets. And the bigger he gets, the smaller your problems get. 
So your praise will set ambushes and cause your issues to dissolve. And I love at the end of that, of that scripture, it says, uh, verse 25, it says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out together uh, to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that, that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because of the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing. I've just found even in the valley, if you can praise God, you'll find yourself being blessed. You'll find yourself leaving blessed even in the valley. So the first thing I learned when I got here was praise, how to get my praise on. The second thing was purpose. Second thing was purpose. Um, I knew that God had a plan for me to go to heaven. I just didn't know he had an assignment for me on earth. And so Jesus had an assignment on earth. So he came from heaven and he came to save you and I. But you know how he did it? Through serving. Through serving. The Bible says in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus's elevator to his purpose was serving was serving. I found in this life and in this church that when I started to serve, all of a sudden God started to speak to me about my future. I didn't know how to, how to serve. I'd never really served in a church before I got here. And when I, when I started to serve, God actually placed me in purpose. He placed me in purpose. And I had no idea. I just wanted other people to experience what I had experienced. So I was like, where can I serve? And they were like, good, you can be in the parking team. And I always tell people the reason I'm a pastor today is because I was a parker 16 years ago. Because serving is your platform or your elevator to purpose. And so I, I got on the parking team, and, I, I, and, and the parking team was awesome. We're re-implementing the parking team, by the way, just so you know. I think now it's part of the high team. It's going to be its own team. Trust me, you want to be on the parking team. So we're on the parking team, and we had like five or six dudes, and we had walkie-talkies, and we'd be talking trash to each other, and we had call signs, and you know, like if someone would drive by the other guy, and he would say, park here, and they parked there, we'd be like, you have no authority, man, they just went right by you, and we'd just make fun of each other, and, but I got to meet everybody that was coming into the church, there was like a couple hundred people at the church, I knew everybody, it was the best team of all time, you're outside, you're waving the wand, you know, you're, you're goofing off, it was awesome. And so I was, I was part of the parking team. And then we, we, I'll never forget this. Everything changed for me when we had an event at the Radisson Hotel in UTC. I think it was Radisson in UTC. And I was on the parking team. And we only had a couple of people um, on the team at that point. And we had this minister coming in from Australia. <clears throat> so he came in from Australia to preach that night at this uh, event called Momentum that we used to have on a Wednesday night. And so I was on the parking team. I was kind of up by myself because there was like a side entrance. So I was, you know, my job was to man that entrance. And so I'm up there and, um, you know, maybe there's 100 people in the church or 150 people in the church or something like that. And so I'm just waving people in and showing them where to park. And people were walking by that entrance that were staying in the hotels that were around there. And they would, you know, ask me, hey, what's going on there? I'm like, it's a church service. We got awesome praise. This guy flew all the way in from Australia. You got to come. And so I was inviting people and, um, no one really came except for this one guy. He was walking by, and I invited him to come to church, and he was like, oh, you know what? I haven't been to church 
And uh, he's like, but yeah, why not? I don't have to be anywhere. You know, my dinner just got over and I might as well come. And so he started to come to church. And so back then uh, on the parking team, I would text the high team people and be like, hey, there's a new person coming. Make sure you love on him. Give him a high five. You know, he's here for the service for the first time. And so the high team would come in and they, you know, love on the, the new people. And we had this whole strategy, you know, and um and so, and so he gets there and he comes in the service. I come in a little bit late because I'm, you know, cleaning up the stuff. And so I sit in the back. I didn't know where this guy was sitting. Toward the end of the service, the service was awesome. Toward the end of the service, they give an altar call. The pastor gives an altar call. And don't you know, there was only one person that went to the altar that got saved that night. It just happened to be the guy that I invited to church that was walking on the side. And I remember thinking, like, my serving just changed somebody else's eternity. And it rocked me. And not always is it, you know, that specific, like, my invitation when I was serving, get somebody's. But as we serve, we are affecting people's eternity. And God, people ask me all the time, like, how do you become a pastor? I'm like, I don't know, just start serving. Just start serving, and God will begin to speak to you about your future. Did you know Pastor Colin Higginbottom, who leads our marketplace ministry? He's a CEO, got a big company. He will tell you that God spoke to him while he was serving, that he was going to be a marketplace guy. He was serving God, and God spoke to him and arrested his heart and said, you need to go to the marketplace. God will speak to you about your purpose, not just in ministry, but in anything, in your family, whatever. When we put our hand to the plow, God will speak to us because we're building his kingdom. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Serving yourself is very unfulfilling. You got to be a part of something. You got to be a part of something bigger. And, and, and serving will bring you favor in the marketplace, but it'll bring you purpose in the kingdom. So my son is uh, a freshman in high school, and he's, um, they had their first team dinner on Thursday night. He's playing football. And he, uh, he was walking around and there was a senior, he's a freshman, there was a senior, a couple seniors sitting together and they asked this kid to get him a drink because he was up by the drink station. And the kid didn't do it. And so my son, because he's got serving in his spirit because he grew up in this house, went and got that guy a drink and the two other seniors a drink. And he brought them the drink. They didn't ask him, but he just brought him the drink. And the guy, the senior said, you're my favorite. Because serving will bring favor to your life. It'll bring favor anywhere, but when you serve the kingdom of God, it'll put you in purpose. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24 to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to find your life and the life God has for you, begin to serve God. This story in Luke 1.8, I love this story. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were the parents of John the Baptist. And this is what the Bible says. It says, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was, was on that duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. Now, this was a huge privilege for Zechariah. It was a huge privilege for him to serve in God's temple. 
I think we need to make sure that we understand it is a huge privilege to serve in the house of God. It's not just an obligation or a duty. It is an honor to serve God's house and to build his kingdom. So Zechariah was honored to be there. Then it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now, Zechariah wasn't praying. He was serving. But he had prayed. He had prayed. And then he said, God, you know what? I'm going to pray, but I'm going to serve in the kingdom. I'm going to build the kingdom. I'm going to put my hand to the plow. How many of us want to see a revival, but we have yet to serve? How many of us are believing for a shift in San Diego, but we don't volunteer? How many of us want to see things move in our government, but yet we don't give or we don't volunteer or we don't put our hand to the plow? Zachariah prayed, but then he put his hand to the plow. And when he was serving, heaven was arrested and came into his life and said, I heard your prayer, Zachariah. Verse 18 says, Zechariah said, this is kind of a side note. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you this good news. Man, I wish I was in there at that time, Pastor Quacha. I wish I was there when Gabriel came. How do you think this is going to happen? I stand in the presence of God. So Zechariah was praying and he was serving and Gabriel came and said, you're going to have a child. Still, Zechariah was like, I don't know, I don't know. And so he's like, mute. He wouldn't let him speak. He wouldn't let him speak. So the first thing I learned was praise. The second thing I learned was purpose. The third thing I learned was prayer. Now, before I got to this church, I thought prayer, or at least how I prayed, was very religious. It was before dinner and before bed, if that. It was very weak. I didn't know the authority that I carried. The prayer, my prayers were similar to this video clip. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless... You have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace in many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. 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 How powerful is that? 
the face expressions just kill me. Oh my gosh. But that was kind of the extent of the prayers that I think I would pray. And um, I'm not saying that your little prayers don't have any results or don't yield any results. In fact, when I was preparing this message, I realized that one of the reasons I'm here at this church is because I prayed a prayer to God that said, God, why do we pray? Prayers don't really work. And then God sent me through a bunch of different events bringing me to this church, which meant that prayer about praying that prayers don't work actually worked. So I'm not saying your prayers don't work, your little prayers don't work. I'm just saying there's another level. When I got here, there was a brand new level of prayer that I, that I stepped into. And, 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 it, and it started with Jesus, where Jesus tells his disciples how to pray. In, in uh, Luke 11, 2-4, and it says, And he said to them, When you pray, say. Now, that was the biggest revelation I had. When you pray, say. Because I used to pray in my mind, and I would fall asleep. Or I would, my mind would wander. But when I started to say it out loud, when I started to declare the word of God out loud and pray, I found my focus was better and my results were greater. Because whatever you say, you hear. And whatever you continually hear, you'll eventually believe. And if you are declaring the word of God, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you'll find faith hits your life. So when you pray, say. That's when I started going on prayer walks because I couldn't just do it in the morning and wake up my wife. So I had to go on a walk and start to pray out loud. So I would encourage you that when you pray, say. When you pray, say it out loud. The devil can't hear your mind. He can only hear you when you say something. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. One of the most important things you can do when you pray is revere God. Just start to tell God how awesome he is. Start to praise him. Start to revere him. Start to bless his name. Because the Bible says that, that, that you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Just begin to praise him. Just begin to thank him. You'll find you enter into his presence very, very quickly because you start to realize who you're praying to. It's an amazing thing. This is, this is not, this is a model. You don't have to say these exact words. This is just a model. It's a template. It's a template. And so then you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Repent. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Forgive other people and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I didn't realize there was an evil one roaming around like a lion trying to devour me. So I would just pray weak prayers that, you know, God, you know, please do this or that or whatever, if it's your will, like those kinds of prayers. But this doesn't say beg God for his will to be done. It says command his will to be done. You're not commanding him. You're commanding his will to be done. He's already, you already know his will, but guess what? His will doesn't always happen. That's why he said pray his will be done. I used to think his will just happens. Well, God must be in charge. God must be, nope. You got to pray his will into being. And so God expects us to enforce his will. He likes nice prayers. He's our father. He likes it when you're, when you're just sincere and when you're nice and when you pray and you tell him you love him and all that kind of stuff. Who doesn't? I'm a father. I love it when my daughter comes and says she loves me. I love it when my boys say they love me and they, they, they like to be around me or whatever. I like that. But there's also another side of God that likes it when you get a little feisty, when you get a little angry, righteously. There's a, there was a time when my son was playing, playing soccer. I'll never forget this. And he's playing soccer, and he's running down the sideline. And there was this player on the other team, and she, 
the player was bigger than everybody else. I gave it away. The player was bigger than everybody else. And she was, she was bullying everybody. And so she's, she's running up and down the sideline. She's pushing people off the ball. And my son's running down the sideline and he pushes this player and he says, you're stupid. And I was like, wow, because he was much smaller than this player. And so in my, in my spirit, I'm like, good job, man. Don't get bullied. I don't care how big this player is. We don't get bullied. Don't let him push you off the ball. But then I realized, like, this player was a girl, and she was bigger than everybody, and he just pushed a girl. And so I had to kind of act like I was upset at him out loud and rebuke my son for pushing a girl. But on, in, on the inside, I was glad he got feisty, and he wasn't letting himself be bullied around and pushed around. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You're a Heinrich. You don't get bullied. So I think that's how God is. He's up in heaven. You start binding devils and loosing angels. He's like, yeah, that's my boy. That's my girl. I like it when they get a little feisty, when they kick the devil out of their life. Because the devil doesn't respond to nice and polite. He only responds to authority and force. And so if you want to kick him out of your life, you got to learn how to pray. They need to be confronted. He needs to be confronted. You have been given authority over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing can hurt you, says the Bible. You've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to loose and to bind. But when I got here, I started to actually learn. I had to make a couple of tweaks to my prayer language, to the way that I prayed. It wasn't just like because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, because I started reading the Bible that my prayers were going to work. I actually had to learn how to pray. That's why you need to be at men's prayer and women's prayer so you can learn how to pray. And so I started to learn that I couldn't just use normal words when I was going into warfare, I had to use words like command. I had to use words like cut off and loose and bind and forbid and evict and cancel and release and loose. I had to start changing the language and changing the way I prayed so that I could get results. So if you can just make a few tweaks in the natural, God has put his super on you. He'll put his super on you. So we got to learn how to pray. But that was one of the biggest things to me is I started to learn how to pray. And the, 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 maybe the biggest thing I keep saying that, but another big thing I should say, Mark 11, 22 to 23, and John G. Lake, who is a giant in the faith, saw hundreds of thousands of healings and miracles. This is what he said was the number one key and reason he saw miracles while other people didn't. He said, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he, he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He says the key to the miraculous, the key to putting the super on your natural is speaking to the mountain, not about the mountain. Most of us pray to God about the mountain instead of speaking to the mountain. Most of us beg God to do something he already died and gave you the power to do. So if you begin to speak to the mountain, if you begin to speak to the sickness, if you begin to speak to that thing that's messing with you, you'll find it be removed from your life. But I didn't know that. I had to learn it. But I found that when I just made that little tweak, God started to put some super on my natural. My prayers went to a whole new level. So I learned how to praise. I learned that there was purpose. I learned prayer. They all start with peace. The fourth one I learned is power. Is power. And I think we all grow up wanting power. I grew up watching He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. 
And uh, we all want power, supernatural power, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, whatever it is, we all want power. And it's because we are created by the most powerful being in the universe. It is in our DNA. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And that spirit will quicken itself to your mortal bodies and give you life. You have power on the inside of you. I just didn't know how to access it. The power that I knew of in the church was basically this video I want to show you. Is that you? Come on down, Jim Bob. Praise be. Hallelujah. God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be saved. Oh, Jim Bob, welcome. God bless you. Jim Bob, how long have you had these headaches? Uh, about five, ten minutes. God help him. <laughs> and how do you feel now? Well, it's a throbbing. Well, God bless you. A throbbing headache comes right up through your heels, up through the hip bone, the knee bone, up the spine, up through your back, through your head like Satan was belching through his head. <laughs> exactly. Do you believe? I believe. He believes. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless. Amen. Hallelujah. This man of these headache demons, of these migraine demons. Heal this man. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, good God, I miss Molly. How do you feel, son? My headache is gone, but God bless him. Is there anything else I can do for you? No, no. Good God bless you. Praise be. Ladies. That's all I saw about the power of God in church was stuff like that. So I didn't know what the true power was like. I didn't realize it said in Acts 1-8 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if you know my story, I encountered this power when I got healed in a hospital of kidney failure. That was the first time I experienced this power and I made a, a, like an inner vow that said, I wanna do that. I want power that heals people. I want power that brings the miraculous. I want the power to be able to prophesy, get words of knowledge. I don't want this fake stuff. I want real stuff. That's why most of the time when I pray for somebody, you'll find me just grab their hand. No pushing. It's that video. If they're going to go down, God's going to take them down. And I love it when God does that. It's a sign. It's a demonstration of his raw power. People say, no, 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 it's, it's fake when they go down. Why do people have to fall down? And I always say that I just, I hope that the God of the universe can at least knock me over. It's like you're sticking your finger into an electric socket. This is, power of God comes on you. The power of God comes on you. Sickness will be driven out of you. Demons will be driven out of you. Visions and dreams will come to you. It's the power of God. Little did the devil know that when I was healed in that hospital a couple of weeks earlier, I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. I was introduced to the power of God. I started believing and reading books on the miraculous. So I already believed. I didn't know how to do it, but I already believed. And he picked a fight with the wrong guy. He dug his own grave that day because from the day, that day until the day I leave this earth, I'm going to make him pay for coming after me. That's why I'm passionate about the power of God and the miraculous because it saved me. And I want it to save you. There's so many people that are sick, that are limping around in life. 
that have never encountered the power of God. If we do a few things in the natural, God will put his super on our life. Just a few little tweaks here and there. Let the baptism of the Holy Spirit touch your life. Come up to the front after the service. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let the power of God come on you so that you can release that same power to other people. We want to take over a city. We need power. We need power. We need power. And I love it when I pray. Just give you a little insight into my brain. When I pray, I use it as an opportunity to reintroduce the devil to his master, Jesus Christ, who lives in me. So when I pray, I pray with bad intentions on the kingdom of darkness. I might sound nice, but on the inside, it's like a lion. But if we can just learn a few different things, if you can learn how to praise, purpose, prayer, and power, your life can change, not in 10 years, not in 20 years, in a few months. Your whole Christianity can change. Why don't we stand to our feet? Just close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your super on our natural. God, I thank you that there are some things that if we can just tweak a little bit, you can take us from three home runs to 28 in a matter of a few months. God, you can take us from never seeing any signs or wonders, from being the person delivering the signs and the wonders. You can take us from a place of never connecting with you in prayer or in praise to that being the favorite part of our day. God, maybe it's not one of the P's. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe we need to forgive somebody today. Maybe we need to reconcile with somebody. Maybe we need to bless somebody. Maybe we need to start giving. Maybe we need to go to DNA so we can get on a team. God, whatever it is, I pray that we would be able to identify those things that will take us to the next level. God, I pray you would be doing miracles in our lives. And I know the, the first miracle is the miracle of spending eternity in heaven. So with every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, he is the super that can come on your life. So if that's you, you've never invited him to your life, all you have to do is acknowledge that he's the son of God and acknowledge that God raised him from the dead. If that's you, with every eye closed, can you lift your hand? I want to pray for you tonight or this, this morning. God bless you, man. Thank you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you up there. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. With every eye closed and head bowed, I just want to pray this prayer, and I'd love it if everybody in the building would pray this prayer, especially those of you that lifted your hand. Pray it out loud. When you pray, say. Say these words, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God, that God raised you from the dead on the third day. I pray 
that you would come into my life put your super on my natural this morning I declare that I am saved that heaven is my home and God is my father in Jesus name amen wow what an amazing word I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did hey listen for more information about our church go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.